This episode is sponsored by Normandy Investment Advisors. How much thought have you really put into your financial goals? Grant Montgomery is an Army veteran who now works as a planner with Normandy Investment Advisors. Here's what Grant wants you to know. The mission always comes first, and family is equally important. This is your focus. Grant brings his dedication to developing financial planning designed around what matters most to you and your family. Visit normandyia.com. That's Normandy, I as in India, A as in Alpha, dot com today to strengthen your retirement plans. Side note, Normandy Investment Advisors is an investment advisor registered with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. This registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Thank you so much, uh, Grant and the Normandy Investment Advisors team, and here's today's episode. Welcome back to Beyond the Uniform. I'm Justin Nasiri, and my goal is to help members of the military community thrive in their post-service career and life. Today's episode number 462 with Ryan Green. Ryan, welcome to Beyond the Uniform. Thanks for having me today. So I want to give listeners a little bit of background for Ryan before we dive in. And I'll I'll high level this by saying that um, I feel like most people that I meet, especially entrepreneurs, there's a lot of bluster and then you kind of dig and there's just not a lot of substance. I feel like Ryan is the opposite where every conversation I have with him, I uncover like a new amazing element of the way that he thinks or his background. And I feel like the more that I learn, the less the the uh, less surprised I am at his success. So let me just give you a little bit of background. First, he's the CEO of a company called Gridwise, which is the leading business app for gig drivers. Uh, on LinkedIn, they've got about 35 employees and over 20 million in funding. Uh, he graduated from the Naval Academy in 2013. While he was there, he co-founded a company called FX Connection. He was an early driver for Uber while training to become a pilot that led, as we'll learn about, to his current company. Uh, he had an unexpected departure from the Navy. He got an investor from an elevator ride. The founder of the massive company Duolingo cold outreach Ryan, and that led to an investment. And he is more experimental, open, and proactive than almost any entrepreneur I've met. So first, Ryan, anything to correct there? Anything I'm misstating there? I mean, you're, 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 you're pretty much on the mark there, Justin. I would, I would correct. Um, uh, the only thing I, I probably correct is the, the out, the outreach part to, um, uh, with Luis Von on from Duolingo was actually, I, I ended up reaching out to their CTO, uh, or a Severn hacker, the co-founder of Duolingo, which brought me into both meeting with, uh, brought myself and, and my co-founder into meeting both Severin and Luis Fanon, and, and they both ended up investing uh, in the company early on. They were one of awesome. our, in an early group of our initial investors. I love it. I love it. Well, um, let's start. I want to just kind of give listeners with a little bit of context of where you are today. Could you tell them mm -hmm. more about what you do for a living and what Gridwise does? Yeah, of course, of course. Is um, so, like you mentioned, I am the uh, co-founder and CEO of Gridwise. Gridwise is the leading business application for gig economy drivers. Those drivers who are out there on the road, moving us and our goods from point A to point B uh, through the uh, ride-sharing delivery services that many of us has become very accustomed to today. So you have the Ubers, the Lyfts, the DoorDashes, the Worlders. 
so many more out there that you wouldn't realize existed. We're supporting drivers across 70 different platforms, uh, ride-share and delivery platforms today in the U.S. alone. Um, so they're really using us as, uh, when we talk about being a business app for them, what does that mean? We are um, really serving as this like one-stop shop for them to access analytics in the market that they're driving in that's informing really their strategy as a worker and just like how they go about deciding when and where they should be working for what services to work for, but also um, as they're going out and working, being tracking all of that information, all their performance and activity, wages, information, like all this earnings and trip data and mileage and tax deduction uh, mileage and, and so much more is just cumbersome to keep up with. So we really uh, centralize all of that across all the platforms they work for in one place help them manage and have visibility in their all their performance metrics, uh, their financials in terms of their earnings, expenses, uh, uh, P&L, tax deductions, and also be able to access uh, access benefits uh, through many of the great partnerships that we have with different companies for vision, dental, affordable phone plans, gas rebates, and more. So really, like I mentioned, that all-in-one holistic um, platform or application for the gig workers what is um, you know expanding beyond the mobile application itself? We have built a a, a platform that has um, really expanded into having a B two B capability as well. And so, as you think about us building today, one of the, the the largest independent network of active drivers out on the road today, we're supporting and empowering hundreds of thousands of these gig drivers. Um, is we've been able to intentionally build the application in a way that's allowed us to ingest billions and billions and billions of mobility data points that's helping us understand supply and demand across uh, supply and demand of how uh, essentially how people and goods are moving across all of these gig mobility platforms. And what we've now done is, is productize a lot of that uh, data, anonymize it, built various analytics and insights that we then license to so many different types of companies across so many different types of verticals autonomous vehicle companies, uh, real estate, hedge funds, uh, retail, uh, uh, and more that's um, really brought to market now the first platform of its kind that can provide ground truth insight into how people and goods are moving. So really encompassing. Um, so that was like the B2B part of our, our business and um, maybe helps give you a little bit of a, an understanding of, of Gridwise and just the the platform in itself. In itself. So two things I'll I'll break down for listeners and Ryan, I'm open to your your thoughts on this as well. The first thing that stands out to me is I I really love this quote that's in a gold rush sell shovels. And I always took that to mean, you know, when there's a major trend, there's a lot of people who jump directly on the trend, but sometimes the most successful people are the ones who are supporting those changes. And I view, you know, what Ryan is doing is he's really selling shovels where there is a and we'll probably talk about this, there is a massive change in our economy with these gig workers, with this whole new, I mean, a completely new segment of the market. And you've really, Ryan, put yourself at the center of that, of being this foundational infrastructure, which very few people are able to do. So I, I love to highlight that for listeners. The second piece is one of the things I respect about you as an entrepreneur, and I'm, I'm curious if this tracks for you, but it's like, it seems like the core of what Gridwise is doing is a massive business in and of itself, supporting gig workers, all of these analytics, all of that. That is probably what 99% of entrepreneurs would have done is just do that. But it sounds like you uncovered a separate business line 
this whole thought of like, well, if we have this data, that's useful to other people. It's almost like the byproduct of your primary business is a separate business in and of itself that probably generates a compelling amount of revenue. And I wanted to call that out for listeners where I've rarely seen this, but I feel like there are entrepreneurs who are able to carve out not just one business, but a separate supporting business that doesn't detract from it, that makes the overall organization that much more compelling and open to any of your interpretation or, or pushback on that. No, I I would say that is um that is completely correct. And coming into coming into Gridwise um really stemmed from like it, our, our focus was really on the driver aspect and empowering the dr drivers based off of the gaps that we had identified in the market. Um, and really, I, I would say within the first month of starting the company is where we started to like, we came into the Gridwise and we we're just trying to understand it's like, where, where do we fit into fit within the ecosystem, this industry We're we're kind of an, we're an aftermarket product and service that's kind of um formed from the creation of the gig economy through the Ubers and the Lyfts and the Airbnb Airbnbs of the world. And so in trying to figure that out early on, as we saw this these shifts happening of you know change the, the way that people are working was changing in the future of work and in the and mobility going through a transformation of all of this like on-demand services for your goods and, and people. I, we started connecting with a lot of different types of stakeholders across the ecosystem. We talked to automotive OEMs, we talked to cities, uh, we talked to insurance companies, we talked to uh, multiple different companies, again, across different verticals, across the landscape of the ecosystem, the gig platforms themselves, we started to converse with. And outside of the gig platforms, we saw that all of these companies were just trying to figure out how to future-proof their businesses, how to adapt to the, these major changes that are happening that are impacting their business um, and, and even take advantage of that by standing up new types of services and to inform all of those different uh, initiatives, they had to try, they're trying to understand, Hey, what's, what's happening in the space? How are people working? How are people and goods moving? And there was no source of information that they could plug into or data source to pull that and to, mm -hmm. to have that view uh, you didn't see the gig platforms themselves going out and saying, hey, here's open access to everything that we capture, right? And so that's like from like early on is where we saw, um, started to really understand those pain points across the ecosystem and saw that, wow, we, we, we could really take an approach of creating a much broader mission here as a business. And really, we had an opportunity to not only empower workers and 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 uh, change the way and, and improve the way that people work, but also um, improve the way that people and goods move. Mm -hmm. And so that became a much uh, much stronger and a mission that we were excited to get behind and informed really our entire way that we approached building the app for workers, our go to market strategy, and how we went city by city, and and much more. And so I would say is a lot of it came. Um, came through that just understanding early on, but we weren't coming into Gridwise initially and trying to be everything for everyone in the world. Not that we're trying to do that today either, but in standing up multiple businesses, I think to your point earlier is like, it's sometimes it doesn't make sense to do that. And it can be very detracting from the core business if you try to do that. And, and this is where we saw that kind of everything could kind of work together 
in a, in a platform that um, uses the under, same underlying types of infrastructure and data to provide empower different services for different types of stakeholders. That's great. I want to also, you know, because many listeners are on active duty, they're thinking of what they're going to do when they get out. I kind of view you as the tip of the spear of this emerging new part of the economy. And I'm curious, what would you want listeners to know about the way in which the world has changed, like the whole way in which the gig economy or even defining what that means, but you know, this, this gig economy is now here and it's, it's not a small part of our economy. It's not a small part of our world. It's not going away, but it is very relatively new. You know, it's probably less than 10 years old. Um, Could you speak to kind of like the size of this market or what you'd want people to know about it? Yeah, I would say is um, today it's estimated that the the gig economy is about a $350 billion market. It's growing at about 16 to 17% year over year. And is really, as we think about um, gig economy workers, those independent workers who are providing some sort of uh, short-term uh, services uh, or even sharing their assets to uh, an end user of those uh, of those services, um, as really is they are um, everyone like the gig economy and these gig workers are becoming the backbone of the U.S. workforce and the global workforce. I think if you look at the U.S. alone, it's expected by 2027 that about 51% of the entire U.S. workforce is expected to be participating in some form of gig work. And so really what that's speaking to is just how uh, one, the gig economy is, is, is not going away. It's not a short-term trend. That's just uh, uh, was uh, where there was a lot of hot hype behind it, and it's just going to crash and burn. It's like no, this is really representing a standard for how people are going to be working. Um, and so, I think for people, for listeners here um, who are tuning in, is that I think this is a this is a space that there's there's a lot of there's a very strong foundation that's created, but it's still in its infancy, relatively speaking to legacy industries that have grown and evolved over time. And so this is, um, I think, back to Justin's uh, uh, metaphor to to your metaphor earlier is, uh, yes, there is a gold rush happening and there's many uh, there's there's a limited amount of shovels out there. And I think that are really due to the gaps that are a lot being exposed from uh, where we're at today. And so there's many other solutions in the form of shovels that could be solutioned out there and be provided to um, in, in really improving the way that people are working as well. I have I have another question that's going to be more historical, but I have just one, one thought. I, I, I didn't introduce you by your location, but you're in Pittsburgh. And I want to highlight... Um, I feel like so often when people think of, you know, big growing tech companies, they think of San Francisco, they think of maybe New York or LA, Pittsburgh is not usually on the top three. What would you want people to know about just working in this city or maybe even the advantages of being in a different location than everyone else? Yeah, it's, 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 it's honestly been, um, I, I would say is like a lot of people, a lot of people think that. I had initially come to Pittsburgh to start Gridwise and they're just like, why did you choose Pittsburgh as a place to start Gridwise? And I was like, well, I had just ended up there and the way the timing worked in starting the company, this, everything, all the resources and people I met and every, just being a part of such a supportive ecosystem and the, the tech and startup scene there, 
enabled Gridwise to to get off the ground. And and so when we think about Pittsburgh in itself, it is a um, yes, it's a relatively smaller city. But you think about like the act, the level of tech activity that's happening there is just massive. If you think of that per capita from uh, from just the the amount of people who are working in tech. Uh, that's really, I think, flourished and, and has been a derivative of the universities themselves uh, and, and predominantly Carnegie Mellon and robotics and AI that's driven many of the large uh, tech companies, autonomous vehicle companies as well, to all gravitate towards Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say is like the a lot of the benefits um, have been in in starting a company there is is really been one like the cost of living. Um, I was uh, I was not in a very great financial position in starting out Gridwise, and and was still able to like my wife and I think back on it today, and we're just like, how did we pay our rent <laughs> based off of how much I, we were paying ourselves? And it's like somehow we figured out a way to make it work, but it was like. I think what allowed us to have that that uh, to to be able to figure out if you're in a position to to barely make it each month as we got you know gridwise going was because of the the low cost of living there, um, but also combined with a high amount of leverage of just high density of very intelligent people working in tech who spanned across so many different skill sets that really helped that be a, a very great resource for us at a very low expense. That's awesome. I wanted to um, make space for you to give the succinct laundry list of entrepreneurial endeavors that preceded this. I think one of the things I've I've grown to admire as I've gotten to know you, Ryan, is that this is not a story where you just had this idea and you launched it and it was successful. Like I've I've come to see. I almost view it as like, um, you know, and I I only know a fraction of your story, but from what I've known, <laughs> it feels like you've been lifting entrepreneurial weights for decades. And I feel like that's allowed you to build up some really powerful skill sets, but it wasn't overnight. Like this is a very, very long history of trying things and not a lot of them have worked out. And so we might zoom into one or two, but could you give us kind of like the the laundry list of things that you've started in your past? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I would say that in this laundry list and, and touching on a few of them is uh, a lot of them were more kind of informal side hustles. That was yeah. just identifying part of dinner, identifying some opportunity and seeing it's like, wow, we could uh, fit, makes uh, fit some need or make some money out of this. And uh, um, I, I thinking back on like the first pivotal experience went, went back into the time when I was um, in about six, it was sixth grade. I was 12 years old. My best friend and I, uh, we ended up um, ended up seeing that everybody wanted these uh, particular. It sounds kind of funny to even say these Jolly Rancher lollipops, and 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 what we ended up doing was going to Sam's Club, buying them in bulk, and 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 let me just clarify that we didn't just get walk over drive to Sam's Club. Our, our parents drove us to Sam's Club. <laughs> And we ended up uh, buying these in bulk, and then we go out and sell each lollipop for about fifty cents per uh, per per pop, and and through that, I mean, we made like hundreds of dollars a month in selling these, and uh, we're we're selling out fairly quickly, and then would uh, 
And I was, we were, we're counting the money on the bus uh, every day. We'd ride the bus together, my, my best friend and I. And, um, and that was like the first, I, 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 we both think back to this and we're just like, why did we stop? I don't remember why <laughs> we, at some point we did for some reason. Uh, but we, that was like a really pivotal point. And I would say my entrepreneurial journey of just different types of side hustles. I had a few others in high school. And then, um, when I went into the Naval Academy, uh, it was, uh, you know, just very interesting circumstances. There's where you know, many listeners here probably understand is like there, you know, we, we couldn't go out during the week, uh, and couldn't, uh, and would only go out on the weekends. Um, and so because of that, uh, that led to me actually selling, I would buy uh, uh, tobacco, like dipping tobacco wholesale, uh, which I never really had done tobacco, like dipping, I've never really dipped myself. And, but I was just like, every, there was this this particular type that you couldn't buy in the state of Maryland that had to be shipped from out of state. And I'd buy a large bucket of that. And I was the refill guy. Everyone would run out during the week of their, their grizzly or whatever they bought at the stores. And they would come to me and refill. And that, that I was ended up becoming an early adopter of Square because of it, because a lot of people weren't carrying cash. And so I plugged this little Square in my little Android phone at the time and would swipe people's cards every time they wanted a refill. And so I was, uh, I was, I was uh, uh, selling tobacco uh uh, uh, for a period of time, I was, um, uh, I was in a long distance relationship with my wife who was, uh, uh, we, we met in Annapolis, but then, uh, she ended up having to go back to Bulgaria after working in the U S for a few months. And then to fund a lot of those trips, uh, ended up selling t-shirts, uh, various different variations of, of t-shirts, uh, that were, um, that I would use to actually fund, fund trips there. Um, and then I started my, I ended up starting my first, I would say formal company where we actually like registered a real company and, 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 and built, uh, built a, an actual like software platform in going into my last year at the Naval Academy. And that was what you had mentioned earlier in the intro was, uh, um, called FX connection. And so what FX connection did was helped people um it, it was focused on helping people gain uh an understanding for how to and build competency for how to invest and trade in foreign exchange currencies before crypto really became a big a big thing and uh it saw it initially was investing a lot in stocks before participating in ipos i had had people offering to give me money to trade for them or and invest for them. And I always told them I'm not an expert, but because people would see all these stock charts on my, my screens or things uh, is like that. I did pull some money together for some IPO participation a few times, but I uh, didn't continue that, but it saw more value in actually trying to teach people how to fish than handing them the fish. And, and so that's where we had ended up um, creating a few friends and I um, at the Naval Academy created this platform called FX Connection. Uh, that would give you that foundational knowledge by curating so many types of um, educational content, but then um, take it a step further and connect you with coaches uh, who were vetted traders who traded for a living, put food on the table every day by actually investing and trading in currencies. And um, they would 
we would connect you with them after that uh, training and curriculum to help you apply that knowledge over time and coach you along to build out your investment and trading strategy. So those are like, I would say a lot of the, the uh, if a lot of the, or a few of the uh, different types of um, maybe side hustles and even business I started before Gridwise. I love it. And, and just two things I'll call out for listeners is I, I love how you started this, which was a new definition of entrepreneurship for me, which is you said you were just identifying opportunities. And I'm like, what a, what a beautifully succinct way and a, a very accessible way to describe either a side hustle or entrepreneurship, but you're just, you know, you saw the opportunity with Jolly Ranchers. You saw the opportunity with dip, with t-shirts, with independent <laughs> investing. So I love that. And then the second thing is the story that I have is that each of these side hustles, you learn something like you gave the example with selling dip that allowed you to be an early adopter of square. And I'm imagining that played a role in your journey and you were investing and then you realized, you know, let's teach the fish rather than give away a fish. And so you started this software trading, uh, the trading software, it's just, or the, the network. So it's like, I just see that each of these, you're building some sort of skill or insight. And I'm imagining there's, you know, some of those fingerprints over grid-wise of just little things you learned along the way. And that's powerful to see the the brick by brick building there. Yeah, what was no, thank, thank you. And um, I would say there's, uh, I would agree that a lot of them, especially like the most recent experience of building out FX Connection, although after two years, we uh, we continued to run it through after we graduated, I went into flight school, other partners went into different different uh, lines of uh, uh, different areas of the, the military and in active duty. And we continued to run it for about a year after that, but shut it down because we, it was just operationally dysfunctional. <laughs> we were all playing the boats around the world. But it, at the same time, like, yes, we made tons of mistakes, but what it allowed us to do, that experience allowed us to make so many different mistakes. And, but because of that, learn so much. And, and a lot of those takeaways and those learning lessons is what informed my approach into um, starting Gridwise with with my co-founder. And that was, I, I think, very pivotal experience in doing so. And others who were part of FX Connection when we ran that have, have I would say, would, would speak to um, the same takeaway similarly and how they've applied that or how that's really changed the way that they've approached and looked at their um, professional life. Mm. Could you share a little bit more about how you met your co-founder? Yeah, yeah. it's. Um, it's something that I always feel, I always feel very humbled to, to to talk about because it's it's a very difficult thing to do. I mean, there is definitely an an element of luck that goes into finding your co-founder, and um, and especially when like let's let's think back of this like the story of me uh, meeting Brian Finnamore as the co-founder and CTO of Gridwise is I'm I'm coming into Pittsburgh. I, I moved there after my transition out of the military. Um, and I, I, I didn't know anybody there. I had nobody to say is like, Hey, you, here's some people you should meet while you move here. It was like starting from scratch ground zero. Um, and I knew that I was going to start another company, um, in the near future, I was going into banking at the time. And as I was working through some different ideas and concepts that I was trying to validate Gridwise ended up being the one that was bubbling up towards the top. And 
as I was going through that process of validating the demand for Gridwise, I was also going out and just embedding myself into the ecosystem, the, the Pittsburgh startup ecosystem, and just trying to build a, a network in this area of interest that I had, learn um, from others in, in those areas or gaps that I knew that I had as well, but also I knew that I needed to find a technical co-founder. I was not going to play that role. It was not my skill set. And I needed someone who would complement uh, that skill set and, and to help get Gridwise off the ground to do to, to execute on, on the vision that we had foreseen for it going into it. And, and so I was just, I was going to, my banking job was a bit brutal from an hour standpoint. There's some banking jobs that are more brutal, but I would say I was like working from, I think it was like 7 a.m. Typically I had to be at the office, would leave around like 5.30, sometimes 6 but it was it was nonstop. There was like you know barely any breaks in between those hours, uh, and and I just had a newborn son, so like also wasn't good timing either. But I was like, there was multiple times during the weekdays where I would go out in the evening after work to any type of like startup event that was going on, and um, I had this curated list of events that were happening. That it was a whole separate story that we could delve into it sometime of a virtual assistant who was actually curating events for my wife and I that was helping us keep up with these because there wasn't a lot of time to scour and search the internet across so many different sources for um, to see what's going on. And so as I was going to all these events, I was meeting so many people, but I was, I was just trying to find that technical co-founder. So I just made sure that everyone knew that this crazy guy, Ryan Green, who just moved to Pittsburgh is looking for a technical co-founder. And I think after doing that so much, uh, so often I started getting introductions of people and it was like, I was, I was going on dates. I was going on founder dates pretty much is what I was doing. I was grabbing coffee with people and, and we were going, um, we would go and sit down and I'd talk through the, the idea of Gridwise and, and some would continue forward to multiple other conversations. Others were just like, yeah, this, it's not a fit. This guy's crazy right now. And, and then I ended up, um, I ended up, meeting, um, getting introduced to the people who ran a, a top tier accelerator that happened to be in Pittsburgh called Alpha Lab. And in meeting the people at Alpha Lab who were running that, it was uh, uh, Jim Jen and Aaron Tainer. I ended up, um, I, I, I was starting to court them and trying to get into, I wanted to be in Alpha Lab. I saw this as an entry point to get Gridwise off the ground to get great resources, to expand network, to get initial investment and be able to focus full time on what I saw, where I saw this opportunity. And they also, so I was sending them progress updates. I was coming to the office, bugging them all the time, telling them what I was up to, but they knew I was looking for a technical co-founder. They also knew that was a key component to like really enabling the success of the business as well. So they actually were the ones who introduced me to Brian Finnamore because Brian was actually looking for, he was in the, the, the opposite scenario and situation. He was tinkering with an idea. He was at a, a established tech company that he helped grow from the ground up as a fifth employee there to 40 plus employees and millions of dollars of revenue. And he was looking for his next thing, but his next thing is like, he wanted to get into actually founding his own company. So he was tinkering with some ideas, also talking to Alpha Lab. So he was being also very proactive about his approach as well. And because of the the, the two, uh, us both being fairly proactive in trying to seek out a business co-founder and a technical co-founder, they really were like matchmakers for us. They introduced us. We talked through what we were both doing. Gridwise really 
resonated with him and and from we knew each other for a month applied to alpha lab and got they actually got uh, let us in uh, they were a little hesitant because we only knew each other for a month but that speaks to what i was saying earlier about the luck it was like we got lucky that we didn't really have a strong social foundation together but we're able to really um figure out like like we're able to make it work very well it worked very very well we've had no issues whatsoever with each other <laughs> that's amazing i i i just want to call out something for the listeners where it's it's just kind of crazy for me to think of working you know 7 to 7 12 hour days is intense especially when you're working in a job that doesn't have breaks so when you're working 60 to 80 hours a week I'm not going to fault anyone for going home and just having a drink and watching Netflix, but to think of you <laughs> sounds nice. <laughs> yeah. But to think of you with a son also then having this creativity to hire a, v, a virtual assistant to put together lists of things to do in the area for you and your wife and for you to be going out and going to these events and for you to put, be putting yourself out there. It's like, that proactiveness and intentionality led to finding this co-founder, but it's it's just kind of unusual to see that amount. I hate to use the word hustle, but it is a sense of hustle of like just going out there and telling everyone you met that you were looking for this person. And had you not been doing that, you probably wouldn't have found Brian. And it's just it's just like really incredible. And you know, I'm I'm sure as you said, there's an element of luck that you and Brian have gotten along so well, but I'm also a big fan of that phrase, the harder I work, the luckier I am. It's, it's just really powerful to see that. Um, in line with that, I was wanting to get one other story that I just thought was so incredible. Could you tell me the story of how an elevator ride eventually led to an investment? <laughs> it was, uh, it was, it was, it was almost, I'd love to, I'd, I'd, I would have wished that there was an actual elevator pitch within the elevator, but there wasn't. Um, but what ended up happening was, um, so like it, going back to kind of that period of time where um, it was, it was a little bit after we had gotten to Alpha Lab, we were probably halfway through this like three month program, um, had just gotten like a preliminary version of a, uh, a, a product out into the, to the world that drivers were using in Pittsburgh. Mm. And um, I, at the apartment complex that my wife and I and my my son we all lived at, I uh, ended up just taking taking a ride in the elevator, and uh, there was a um, lovely couple that was in the elevator that was uh, ended up speaking uh, in Bulgarian to each other. And interesting enough, my wife is from Bulgaria. Uh, when I mentioned she was overseas earlier, that was where you know, she had gone back to Bulgaria. Those plane trips that I was paying for or subsidizing with t-shirt sales before that, those were for trips to Bulgaria. So obviously I had really become accustomed to the language, could get around a little bit in the language as well and um, developed a sense of, of love for the culture. Um, and so when I heard them start speaking in uh we, we both heard them start speaking in bulgaria and that was just like all right well obviously we're gonna we're gonna learn more here like let's uh is this and so we're just like oh we were, where are you where are you all from and you know had some small talk and we, we invited them over another day to to just hang out and have tea and just get to know each other and um and they were i think they had come from uh, predominantly working in like the automotive oem industry for some time and automotive um and 
um, autonomous and, uh, systems and, and early on with and some of the automotive projects that were going on there. And um, we're, we're, we're um, older than, um, a little bit older than Valerian and myself. We, they came over, uh, we were sitting there, had, had tea, we were talking, you know, getting to know each other. And they saw this uh, whiteboard that was kind of to the right of my, my computer desk that was just, it was like a, a loft area. So our kitchen table was kind of like where my desk was, which is where our couch was. <laughs> it was all kind of combined. And, uh, and they, in, in um, uh, this lady, uh, the, the lady, uh, Diana asked is, Hey, what is, um, what is, what is a whiteboard for? Like what's on there? Cause there was all these like newspaper, not even just newspapers. I wouldn't read in the newspaper every day, but there was newspaper clippings of, of like things happening with Uber. There was some, um, some like printouts on uh, from, you know, rideshare industry things and, and stuff like that. It was uh, me like just, I, I don't know, clipping. I, I should have been using Evernote, but I was using whiteboard and clipping things on, on this whiteboard of what, what was happening in the industry that I wanted to be, you know, remember. And so that, uh, caught her eye and her attention. And she was like, what is that? And, I t- and then I ended up telling them what I was working on and the, uh, what we were working on, the concept of it. And, and then all of a sudden she was like, that's very interesting. She's like, I work at, I work at Uber. And I was like, I was like, Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, did not expect that. Uh, I also didn't know what to think at that time. Like we were still trying to figure out you know, what is, what is our, how does like an Uber or someone think of us? Like, do they, would they not like us or do we, are we seen as like, you know, it's just kind of detrimental to their business in some way. And that ended up not being the case, but I would say that uh, I was a little worried at first. And then we were, t- and, and so we started talking more and more about everything. And then they just had asked to that point where they're just like, well, are you, as, as they learned more and learned more about us, they're like, well, are you looking for investment? And I also didn't know how to answer that question. It was like, I was like, all right, right. Think about this. Let's, let's think what to say here. I was like, yeah, we, we are. Um, we're still figuring out the amount right now. Uh, but yeah, we'll be fundraising soon. I was like, I, I was, I think I was in the middle of reading venture deals at the time to learn about how to fundraise. Wow. And, um, and so like we ended up, that ended up sparking that conversation sparked uh, subsequent conversations related to investment when we started to put the round together and bring in the founders of Duolingo and, uh, and, and so many others from there's some Carnegie Mellon professors who are um, experts in transportation systems and other things. And, and so that is, they were kind of those early, um, the initial ones who had uh, committed to the round. And it just so happened to be that they were from originally from Bulgaria and we met them on an elevator at my apartment. That's so wild because I always put myself in that situation. I'm like, I probably wouldn't have said anything. Like, I just see yourself choosing to take these actions that not everyone would take. And it's not like, you know, I, I, I know we're zooming in on this one particular story, but I know it's representative of a thousand other times that you've probably, you know, like you and I have talked about before, like you'll ask people where they're from because it leads to these serendipitous uh, connections and it wasn't the intention. You weren't even looking for funding, but you were also reading about it. It's just like, I just see you as someone who's always growing and, and working, but then you kind of put yourself out there and, and it's just kind of cool to hear some of these stories of where it worked out. Um, 
I know we're almost out of time here. There's a million other things we could have talked about. I always like to make space at the end. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you want to really make sure that you highlight before we wrap up? Mm, I think we touched on a, a lot of the um, a lot of the major things. I would say is um, as as we've seen throughout this conversation, I, I think a takeaway that I'd like to throw out there for for listeners that you've emphasized a few times now is that um, that I think has really benefited benefited uh, myself a lot through just my my own personal journey is in in just being vulnerable. Mm. It's just not worrying so much about what everybody thinks about your idea or your personal professional aspirations is like, if you feel like you're passionate about something or you want to build something or serve a market need or just whatever that may be is like, just go out and tell people about it. And, and because the best thing that you could get is feedback. Like this, it's so valuable. It's priceless information. You're not paying people for this, but more that you're just going out there and telling them about, like you think about, you see a lot of people fall into this trap of having an idea for a company and they don't want to tell people about the idea because they think you're going to take their idea and, and go and go build it. And like, <laughs> I think through going through and building companies to this point, I'm just like, look, I'll tell you whatever you want. Go ahead and do it. <laughs> Have at it as because it is a hard, hard thing to do. And so it's not uh I'm I'm okay with being vulnerable about it because it's just like yeah, there's I, I'm seeing this in a way that I think others people other people may not be in and but again, I, I not in to perfection. And so like what's helping me refine that is just feedback and not one data point of one person saying something, but just lots and lots of people who see the world and in, in diff uh, through different lenses and capturing that feedback and then being able to pattern match to that is like, what is just like helps, helps to like, just see all these things that maybe you weren't seeing before and helps kind of scope and, and uh, scope kind of a direction or point your arrow or find the direction that, the, that your arrow would be pointing um in over time and that's going to continue to change through more and more feedback so i would just say get out get out of the building talk to people let them know who you are tell them about what you're doing and what you're working on what your ideas or what, whatever your aspirations are that's that's fine and, and there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be very skeptical very negative non-believers could probably call that the majority of people mm. um but let that be the fuel to let that be the fuel of your fire. Like if you can, you know, just translate that into motivation and just say, it's like, yeah, great. Like, yeah, I'm glad you don't believe in it. Cause I see this. So it means more opportunity for me. Um, so that would be like a takeaway um, or something that I throw out there for, for the group of listeners. It's, it's wild hearing that because something clicked for me for the first time is um it's just kind of crazy because you describe how you behave, which is like constantly gathering data and feedback and all of these little data points are adding up. But I love the element of that that's grid-wise as well, like these billions of data points that you're bubbling up and having actionable insights for, for both individuals and now organizations. So it's 
always exciting for me to see these these core values and tenets of a of a founder that that bleed through in a major way to the company. And that's um, one of the hallmarks of how I think of you is just someone who's really adept at putting yourself out there and getting feedback and data and data and data and data and then taking action. And it's, it's uh, cool to see that play through in, in Gridwise as well. Um, well, for listeners, thank you for, for listening. You can find out more on Ryan on his website. We'll have it linked in the show notes. You can follow him on LinkedIn um, and keep an eye out because I think he's he's just getting started on what, something that's going to be very massive. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Ryan. Thank you.